In football, anything can happen on the field, and your level of confidence determines how you handle it. And the same goes for moving. It's why Penske Truck Rental equips you with as much confidence as possible to handle whatever comes your way. With newer, cleaner, safer trucks, Penske Truck Rental will help you move with confidence. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson here, Barton Simmons right there. Uh, happy Tuesday afternoon to you, Wednesday morning, whenever you consume this. Be sure that uh, if you haven't already, you are subscribed, that you review, that you rate. We try to give you that five-star content no matter the situation, no matter the playing status, and we just ask for a little five stars in return. That's easy. Just tap that. Hey, Barton Simmons, how are we feeling? What up? What up? Uh, we're feeling good. We are... Uh... Yeah, man, we're ready to um, to dig in a little bit to some some midseason status reports. What right? uh, did you did you see that the Joe Moore Award uh, released its midseason list? Oh, my favorite award! I know, and two guests from the last two months were quoted in the press release. So either Cole Kublik or Aaron Taylor. We got 14 offensive linemen, offensive lines out there that we're getting it. I'll, actually, I've got it right here. Let's uh, yeah. run, run down the list. This is the most important list out there. Uh, Alabama, shocker. Appalachian State, go Nears. Army West Point, shout out to the Joe Moore Award that's still going to call Army, Army West Point. <laughs> you know they weren't going to have it any other way. Uh, Boston College, Georgia, Kentucky, Memphis, Mississippi State, NC State, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas, and Wisconsin. Yeah, man, I think that about hits all. The, like, I was trying to think if, as you were going, if there were any that I, were were not being mentioned. That I, I think that hits that hits them. They 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 get my approval. I will say that there is, um, and and this might come up throughout. I mean. Ohio State's offensive line has done a really good job. It's super talented. I, I We're going to break down some of our All-America ballots later in the show. I had Michael Jordan on my on my All-America ballot. But is 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 this one of these things where I we have to trust the minds and the coaches and the former players on in terms of like technique? Like you can't just go by production. No, you have to – I mean, I'll be honest with you. My – my All-American ballot was basically – look, there have been a couple guys certainly that have stood out, but it was really more about, all right, there's a few offensive lines out there as units that have really altered the fortunes of their teams and who has really stood out on those units, and that's kind of who I tried to reward. That's kind of the way I went through the whole ballot um, is sort of guys that have been – not just good, but but really like difference makers, you know, fortune makers, and and so I, I don't know, like it's I don't know how your average Joe fan or media person 
can really if unless you're one of the guys on the Joe Moore award committee who are like watching the film and breaking it down week in week out I don't know how you can I don't know how you can confidently pick an offensive line all-american team truly no I I rely on uh <laughs> when I was filling out my ballot I just pulled up the Twitter page for the Joe Moore award scroll back through see who they were highlighting every single weekend make sure that I wasn't missing somebody in my ballot so I mean I I would say that my strategy because you're you're absolutely right there's there is a lot of all-america balloting done by uh, people including myself who have to rely on other sources so I I just try to rely on what I believe to be the industry standard the Joe Moore award I am uh, I think that's a I think that's a valid methodology for that approach and I I you know in the past I think PFF has been a source where I would go not just lean on PFF but just sort of get a at least a pool of players that you right from. yeah it's yeah just we, you, a, you just want to make sure you're not missing if if I can get a list of like eight or nine names I can feel comfortable starting to slot and and make some decisions but even the PFF I think is a as much as I think that's a really it's a that's a value add for college football fans and media members all over the country I think their offensive line grading system is a little bit flawed um, and yet still that they do it and that they track every play is still better than the alternative, which is nothing. So I appreciate the effort they put into it, but I think that that's not a end all be all for who the best offensive line in the, in the country is. All right, let's stop giving in promos to the Joe, Joe Moore award and PFF. Let's get into the news of the week. Uh, Ohio, out of Ohio state, Nick, Bo- Ohio state confirms uh, after a report that Nick Bosa will be withdrawing from school that he will be focusing his efforts both in terms of recovery from the abdominal injury and just his overall training. He will be focusing his efforts towards getting ready for the NFL draft. Um, there's two ways to attack this, Barton. The first is, do you do you find yourself uh, surprised or have you adjusted at all the, the view of Ohio State's defense? I was leaving room potentially to think that he could return or that he might return and that just having that kind of pass rush specialist in any situation is something that would benefit them, particularly in a playoff scenario or a, a big 10 championship game, if that was possible. And then the second part is, you know, do you, do you have any strong feelings about uh, one of you know a player deciding that, you know what um, we're going to pack it up all good. I'm uh, I'm out. Well, Look, the first the first question is ultimately when you're Ohio State and you're trying to win national championships and anything less is falling short then and you got a guy like Bosa who is the type of player that can alter a game can make a play, can get a strip sack, can cause a safety, can can get a pressure that forces a quarterback to throw it into a linebacker's stomach, which he returns for six points. Like he he's that type of player. There's not a lot of them out there. There's a handful. And so when you're gonna get rid of that guy, I know that they're really deep. And I even sort of have said this in the past, like, oh, like, you know what, if they're if, if anybody was was okay losing a guy like Nick Bose or uh 
Yeah, you got like, it. Nick Bosa. Yeah, Nick, Nick, Nick Bosa. Yeah. <laughs> then, uh, then Ohio State can because they got Chase Young and they got Jonathan Cooper and Draymond Jones and all those guys. But I think with, you know, with a, ultimately, again, you got to sort of, got to lay this next to the expectations of national championships. Right. Beat Alabama beat Clemson. This is this is not good. This like, could this could very well be the type of thing that is the difference in yes. that in accomplishing that and not. Agree. Absolutely. So, I was I was kind of counting it. on him at least coming back. Now we have to put on our human pants, right? Where you have to look at um Nick Bosa and you have to look at the the college football experience and your hopes and goals for what's going to happen in in the next five, 10 years of your life. And are you uh, risking your your longevity or your long-term future for some short-term gain, especially if that short-term gain uh, is not uh, officially compensated? Yeah, so I think people look at this as they they want these guys to be all about the team. That's fine. Like I get it. That's they, they should be about the team, but I think people look at it in terms of like, oh man, you know, my I rolled my ankle the other night, and my church league basketball squad, you know, still wanted me to, you know, I, st- I still showed up for our tough game against, uh, you know, the green team. And I played through it. And hey, you know, when you're playing, won. yeah, no, nah, this is a rivalry with Greenfield Baptist. No, 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 no. no. We, right. we can't lose this one. You know, I, I put up, I put up eight points and and, uh, and nine rebounds, and <laughs> uh, you know, and it's like, yeah, man, I get it. All right, go, go, do you get it? You know, get after there in the in, in the church league. But this is that you can you can be committed and invested in team, and still like understands that there is a a business in front of you and your your sort of life goal is in front of you and you have to protect that and so i'm i like this is i think probably people who listen to this pod enough probably would have guessed my sort of opinion on this is man go do it like i is and th- this isn't even an instance where bosa is is like He's not skipping the season. He's injured. He just had surgery. He had a major injury, and he's just not going to come back for the Big Ten championship game or and and the playoffs or whatever would have been left on the slate remaining. He's he is deciding to recover from this injury and direct his attention towards that recovery in the NFL draft and not towards returning for his final year of college football. And I am okay with that. And I guess for the uh, withdrawal from school part, is that where we start to put in like our nods and winks and our understanding of what the final semester looks like for a lot of NFL bound players? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, he's gonna he's going he's going back to Florida, right? I mean, he, there's so many great elite training academies. He's from Fort Lauderdale. He could go to any of those places and just. Be dude. He's gonna avoid a Columbus winter. He's like, <laughs> no, guess. no, well, man. I'm going home. I don't know. Maybe he's is he? I mean, he. Pro- I, I don't know who his age is going to be, or I don't know where it be. But I mean, I'm sure Mickey Mariotti at, at Ohio State puts together a pretty good training regimen too. Like I don't know, maybe. But he's going to be 
focused on rehab and recovery and and the NFL draft and I think that's fine like that's okay that's he's he's given a lot to Ohio State he's he's made his mark and uh it's okay for him to be looking out for number one um after a pretty serious injury Ole Miss wide receiver speaking of NFL bound players uh out for the year Ole Miss uh, wide receiver DK Metcalf and neck injury will knock him out for the remainder of the season. Uh, Barton, this is where I point to some of our conversations about the Rebels coming into the year, understanding that that top line is uh, elite. That top line is good, and and especially with Jordan Toamu, we, we expected that, that that offense would be able to uh, have some success, and, and it did certainly early in the season. But once injuries hit, once we hit mid-October and got some attrition, there were going to be less reasons to believe in Ole Miss. Is this the beginning of that? Yeah, and he hasn't announced he's gone yet, right? Mm. I don't. I don't believe he has, but I'm sure he is. Oh, you mean like to to the NFL draft? Right. Yeah right. we we have, we only have not have lost him officially just for the season. But right. yes. But I gotta believe DK is going to look at the team coming back. And he's going to say, thank you, Oxford. It's been real. <laughs> um, and, and, but yeah, you're right. Like, this is, this is exactly, but it, sort, sort of like Nick Bosa, this is where, you know, we're, we're looking at a loaded receiving core and they will survive with what they've got. They'll be okay. But yes, as the, as the attrition starts to hit, the natural attrition of a season. Uh, Ole Miss is less equipped to deal with it than most. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm not going to pick them to upset Auburn this weekend, though. Um, and speaking of Auburn, Gus Malzahn says he's sticking with Jarrett Stidham as the starting quarterback. Did you ever imagine, like, is there, if, if I could have gone back in time and talked to you in July, would I have been able to convince you that Jarrett Stidham's hold on the starting position would be a talking point in mid-October? <laughs> what would have been the I guess they probably go hand in hand but what would have been the tougher one for you to buy that Gus Malzahn would be have to defend continuing to start Jared Stidham or the Gus Malzahn would have to defend uh his job security again (laughs) though though to be fair uh we do we we have identified Gus Malzahn as always being three losses away from the hot seat as is Ed Odron, by the way. I've got. We'll talk more about this later. I've got Coach O as one of my better like coaching performances of the season. That is, I'm not going to be alone in having that decision or, or pushing uh, for for that take or that opinion. But he has not escaped, just like Gus Malzahn has not escaped uh, that territory where. Uh, all it takes is just a few losses, and especially a few of the wrong losses, and you will find yourself right back on the hot seat where Gus Malzahn is. I know, and it's not going to get any easier for Gus Malzahn. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they're all—it's all interrelated. It's it's Gus Malzahn's job is suddenly in the crosshairs again. Because he can't find figure out a way to have success with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback, and Jarrett Stidham isn't playing well at quarterback because Gus Malzahn really has not found a comfort level in catering an offense towards Jarrett Stidham. It's sort of this this 
vicious cycle right now that Auburn is in. And yeah, here we are. Like Gus Malzahn only wins on his contract years. His contract <laughs> years, he falls out, and, and otherwise, he deals. You know, we got a little, we got a little drama. But um, I don't know, man. This is a, uh, you know, this is, it's a, it's a. This would be a. a I think Tennessee. The Tennessee beat has probably been the wildest to cover over the last oh five to six seven years. But Auburn's Auburn's pretty close. There's always <laughs> yeah. some soap opera stuff going on down there in the plains. Shout out to Brandon Marcello of of Twenty Four Seven Sports. Um, I I just I've got this hunch, and it, and it is I'm I, I do not claim to be uh, claim to have any anything inside beyond that. But just through conversations and general reading of uh, the situation, I would I would. Would love to run this by Brandon Marcello, see what he thinks. Uh, Barton, I get the idea that Gus Malzahn, with the job security that he's got right now, or at least the, how about this, the financial security that comes with that brand new contract, just has him in a position of patience, probably more patient than the fan base, and maybe more patient uh, than the Auburn administration. And I guess we'll see on that one, but I, I wonder if Gus Malzahn just has looked at this roster and being like, mm, that ain't it. This ain't the team I've seen. Te- I've seen teams that can win sec championships. And I, you know, I've been a part of Auburn, Auburn teams that can go on runs. This ain't that team. And he's just, he's not punting on the season. I will not allege that, but I just think that he's got more of a big picture view than we or Auburn fans might have in this moment. Yeah, but and I'll I'll credit I kind of w- was caught the sniff of this just from the uh, Auburn Undercover message board, um, and like you kind of when when Auburn lost transfers in week four of starters. Jalen Harris, Nate Craig Myers, starting pass catchers for that offense. That's a that's a pretty big red flag that got glossed over a little bit. And I think that those we talked we talked about it a we little talked bit. About yeah, it. yeah. But I mean, those those guys' departures not only does it like impact the the game on the field, but it also is an indicator of where things stand and the sort of the buy-in level of the team. Gus Malzahn isn't a new coach, and that to me is a is a is fairly damning. That there's there's a lot of you know a lot of guys bouncing that are contributors that just don't have confidence in the direction of the program, and so I think and and where I'm going with that is you may be right, Chip, but I don't know how he I don't know what he's what he does differently. If, if he's taking the patience approach, then not like if he was like, I got to win now, I got to figure out a way this year. What does he do differently when he's, than what he's doing now? I don't know that there's like a, I don't know that he's taking a different approach mechanically speaking than he, than he otherwise would be. Maybe there would be more creativity or more. I don't know. It's just like, cause cause my diagnosis of this is that it starts up front. And that an offensive line that kind of needed to gel quickly has not 
come together and they haven't really fallen uh, into a good rhythm. They have not been playing well with each other and where maybe maybe in another year, maybe in more of a, a win now immediacy situation, you you find a little bit more creativity, you know, put in a drastically drastically change the look, the feel of the offense, whereas opposed to maybe the the patient approach is that you're just you're just letting them figure it out on their own out there. Did you see Jordan Rogers's um, tweet this week? I did not see Jordan Rogers's tweet, but I love this so as I, a preface of where this could go. <laughs> well, I, I retweeted it. Okay. He tweeted, I'll, I'll just read it. He said, Auburn is predictable on offense based on personnel. Versus Tennessee, when a tight end fullback, predominantly Chandler Cox, is on the field versus off the field, when a tight end or fullback is on the field, they they ran it or threw a screen 35 of the of 47 snaps so 74 oh. <laughs> percent when the when the tight end or fullback is off the field they passed it 30 of 33 snaps 91 percent of the time so so when when auburn's in 10 personnel and four wide teams just play coverage and when they've got a fullback in they they load the box and <laughs> it makes it pretty difficult to to play offense like that and it's just i don't know like it's how many things like that start to pop up where it's like what's where did the where did the offensive genius of gus malzahn retreat to Mm. i don't know anyways Uh, it's 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 a tough it's it's a weird time to be an Auburn fan right now when again well hey I'll, i'll bring it back to what you just said when has it not been a weird time to be an auburn fan here in the last like couple years, uh, and finally, uh, we've got the the freshman left tackle. Uh, what's Sewell? How do you pronounce Sewell's first name? Um, the freshman left tackle for what are you Oregon. About here? Oh, oh, Penay Sewell. Penay, yeah, that's it. Pen- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Panay Sewell is going to be out for the next six weeks with an ankle injury that he sustained in that overtime win against Washington. Uh, Oregon, as we mentioned earlier, what has been like, you know, Mario Cristobal, that offensive line. Uh, Sewell's been great. I put uh, Lemieux has been one of the better guards in the country. They're really, really solid along that offensive line. And that's been a big part about their success. Uh, losing Sewell here, what's the... Does this change at all, sort of, uh, where you're at with Oregon? How how do you handicap that in terms of it being a loss for the Ducks moving forward? It might, it might. Let's you know, I'll uh, we'll wait and see. Um, but I I do think that Panay is is a pretty integral part of that offense, and that sort of, and as we head into a a letdown opportunity where they're heading to Pullman and. Uh, you know, there may you know maybe the, the the dynamics of of their offensive line are in motion and, and shifting. Uh, it, it it concerns me a little bit. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, Penny's dad. I'm just looking at his Twitter account right now. I think he's deleted the tweet, but uh, he uh, he t- retweeted a video of Penny getting rolled up on against Washington and uh it was he was he was not pleased my man was was letting it letting it all hang out 
talking about the the cheap shot he felt like Washington player gave him. Ooh. Uh, and uh, <laughs> alleging some of that uh, dirty play. <laughs> he didn't he didn't like it. Uh, and he's a guy that I he's he's a good he's a good guy. Um, those Polynesian families are all so so friendly and and until until you mess with them because <laughs> once you mess with them uh, they they get they get they'll 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 band together pretty quick so uh, but all that to say you know I, th- I do think Pinay is is a pretty meaningful part of that of that resurgence on the front there for the, for the Oregon offense and I don't think that's an insignificant loss. Well, let's start up the engines. You hear the trucks coming. I've seen some of the most talented athletes fail because they lacked one essential ingredient, and that's confidence. Without it, everything else goes to waste. It'll make or break any athlete, and the same is true with life off the field and especially with moving. It's why Penske Truck Rental equips its customers with as much confidence as possible to make their moves successful, like offering newer, cleaner trucks that are among safest on the road. Every truck undergoes a multi-point inspection, and you'll get unlimited miles on one-way rentals. So whether you're moving across the country or just across town, Penske Truck Rental helps you move with confidence. And that brings us to today's Penske Truck Rental Team on the Move. And that team on the move is the Oregon Ducks. The Oregon Ducks had the big win that they needed at Autzen Stadium in overtime, scoring the touchdown, walk-off, overtime win against the Huskies. Uh, you know, so much of that was reversing the disappointment from you know, that same game two years ago. They finally are trying to get back in the Pac-12 North. Now they've got a big time, as Barton mentioned, letdown spot. Going on the road to Pullman, Washington. Washington State is waiting for them there. Um, Barton, like the, as as we've continued to to wrap up and sort of move on from that Washington win, anything linger with you about Oregon that is going to be particularly key against Washington State? And so, what are your early thoughts on that game as we sit here on Tuesday? Well, it's just a. I mean, that's a Washington is going to bring it. Like they're going to. They're going to test your your toughness and your manhood a little bit, and and yeah, you know, I talked about it leading up into the game. I didn't think that this was necessarily Washington's most, you know, the scariest group of front seven guys, but they'll still, still really good. Whoop your tail. <laughs> still going to bring the fight to you, and uh, I, I do think that's a you know, that's a big win, an emotional win, an overtime win, and a physical win. And this is going to be a challenge to go into a hostile environment, game day coming, wagons are circled. Um, this is this is why college football is so fun, is because teams typically lose this kind of game. Right. You know, this is the spot where teams lose. Um, so I think I've, you know, this pod is as let it be known our, our fondness for this Oregon team. Uh, so I, I kind of hope the run keeps going, but I, I also, you're not picking it. Uh, I, I I have I actually did pick in our expert picks. I've already turned it in. I picked Washington State to win this game. It's not going to be a lock. I will not make this a lock. No, making making this a lock is a big time mistake because yeah. uh, it's it's going to be some kind of ridiculous ending. I mean, it just it just feels like. Things get weird enough. Uh, it's the you know seven thirty Eastern time. 
This is the nationally televised platform you mentioned. Get College Game Day is going to be there, so they'll be getting after it early, right at daybreak, trying to bring the good energy. I'll I'll say this: the difference for me is going to be whether uh, one of those two freshman backs for Oregon, either uh, Verdell or Die, get going. And that's like a very simple kind of thing to lean on. But I also think that their emergence has been one of the big surprises of this season for me. And when that was something that I wasn't necessarily counting on, like even earlier in the year, you know, having Dylan Mitchell be a difference maker, having Justin Herbert sort of come in as advertised, that's all been great. But if if the Ducks have that, have the either one of those two uh, freshman backs rolling and in a good rhythm, because even Mario Cristobal said we're just, we're just going to ride the hot hand. And, you know, we were talking of Tony Brooks James heading into the year, and Tony Brooks James has contributed on special teams, but he's he's not really the the primary back right now. So I'm I'm coming around to that aspect of this Oregon offense, and I feel like. If I can see if I see that run game get going early, then I'm gonna feel better about its chances to uh, get out of there with the win. Yeah, I think that's all fair. But I also think, you know, one of the things I like about Oregon this year too is is the emergence of Dylan Mitchell as a true number one threat receiver. When's the last um, time Oregon's had a true number one threat? Yeah, yeah, uh, and Dylan Mitchell has, has sort of been that guy, and so that's. So yes, to yeah, I think I agree with you. Like as you get that run game going too, um, it's uh, and you, and you have that guy that can go out and make big plays for you. Uh, that's that's a pretty nice little little tandem, obviously. Um and uh, and yeah, I'm I'm picking Washington State in that game too. Oh, you are. <laughs> yeah. Wazoo's yeah, won just, the last it, three in this series. Who has Wazoo? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's the the like the weather conditions, you know, the atmospheric pressure, it's all just right. For this to <laughs> you did know? you when did you become Barton the barometer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is the the you know the the fronts are all you know the 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 perfect conditions are, are arriving for a Washington state win here. So, but I'm I'm gonna be out. I'm 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 gonna say it publicly. Like I kind of hope Oregon wins. I think it's a fun story. I agree. But I think I think the Washington State situation here is 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 gonna be it's gonna be um, promising. My heart my heart says ducks. My head says cougs. And I'm yep. not gonna make it a lock either way. Uh, yep. That is Oregon, our uh, Penske Truck Rental team on the move for this week. Don't forget with Penske Truck Rental, uh, they offer newer, cleaner trucks that are among the safest on the road thanks to those multi-point inspections. If you line up with Penske Truck Rental, you can get unlimited miles on one-way rentals. The unexpected is bound to happen, but with Penske, you have the confidence that you need to handle it. Penske Truck Rental, helping you move with confidence. All right. That's right, mid-season awards time. All the awards music playing. Barton, did you have trouble with uh, any, the process at all as you were going through it? Um, like, w- was there anything you, uh, that you had a hang-up about? A process, do you mean replying all to the email? <laughs> uh, because I, 
I pulled an old man move on on that. Replied all with my ballot. So you've seen mine. You know what my ballot looks like. Let's let's look it up. Unless you were just. No, no, I forgot you did that. I've I've done that too. But just didn't even look at it. Yeah, Uh, but I no, I I mean the only problem I had with my process was like I said was just sort of the guesswork that goes into offensive line selection. Uh, aside from that, I felt I felt okay about the process. What was what were your hangups? Uh, I wish that we got to fill out a little bit more, like a second team. I get yeah. it. I I mean, I think that no, I agree. I agree. I think that would I think that's probably because there's just yeah, you get a little more consensus if you can if you can dig into a second team. But at the same time, if I had to fill out a second team for offensive line, things could get dicey. It was more like at the at the running back position where I was like, ooh, this is this is getting a little bit tight. Uh, All right, so let's let's talk about it. Uh, quarterback is yours someone other than Tua Tungavailua. It is not. All right. So Alabama's dominance once again is gonna create limited discussion about Tua. We can just keep on moving. Yes, we can absolutely keep on moving. Uh, running back, who'd you have? We both have Daryl Henderson. As our uh, RB1, and uh, where you have Benny Snell, I've got Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor is a that's, that's fine for me. I, I, you can make that case. I, I picked Benny Snell because I felt like the year Kentucky having is sort of um, it's a breakthrough year of sorts, and it's really a lot of it is centered around Benny Snell. I mean, he is sort of the the cornerstone of that breakthrough. Well, that in the defense. Um, so I wanted to reward sort of his value to that team. Um, yeah, and in the same way, I didn't want to penalize Jonathan Taylor just because Wisconsin isn't the playoff team that I predicted going into the year. Right. You know, I, I, I that was where I had to sort of bring myself back down. Like, well, look, he's still on pace to have uh, a big-time season. Like this, there's no reason that you should just uh, bail yeah, on him. He's, he's he's still second in the country in yards yard rushing per game. Like yeah, and I mean it's hard to he is he is sort of quietly living up to all of the expectations that we had for him before the year. Right, it's not his fault. He's got Alex Hornibrook as a quarterback. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, we're both on the except, vis- except except he committed to Wisconsin, though to his credit uh he decommitted from Rutgers if I'm not mistaken uh where Archer Sikowski would be his quarterback otherwise and by the way a little nugget for you Jonathan Taylor decommitted from Rutgers to commit to Wisconsin you know who else decommitted from Rutgers Saquon Barkley decommitted from Rutgers to commit to Penn State so Scarlet Knights could have had a pretty sick backfield if a couple things had gone their way but it didn't. I feel like uh, Darius Hamilton was like the last big recruit to go to Rutgers. Yeah, it's a good name. It's a good blast from the past. Good blast from the good like and Darius Darius Hamilton from New Jersey. Boy, staying home. He had to. He's seen some things. Uh I've got LaVisca Chenault as my wide receiver one, Marquise Hollywood Brown as my wide receiver two. Yeah. Uh, I went Jerry Judy. 
I mean, as my wide receiver too. No, you, no argument there. Right? Have you looked so yards per catch? Jerry Judy has is averaging twenty seven yards per catch, number one in the country in that realm. He's got seven hundred five yards receiving on twenty six catches. Nine of those have gone for touchdowns. I mean, he's averaging like three catches a game and like two touchdowns a game practically, like a touchdown and a half a game. And uh, most of them, anecdotally, I don't have this number pulled up, but I want to say that that's where like like Jerry Judy might lead the country in yards after catch per catch. Probably. You know what I'm saying? Like his like he's yeah. he, he has a lot of those. Uh, touchdowns for Tua where maybe it was a 25-yard pass and a 40-yard run. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, you, he may not even be the best receiver on that team. That's what's scary. But he is – he's doing some silly stuff that, like some of the other Alabama guys, is just sort of getting overlooked because it's just like, all right, we're checking the domination box for Alabama. We can move on to whatever the more interesting topic is for, of the week. Um, is it was there anyone else that you would that you thought about for wide receiver? Wide receiver was one of the spots where uh, I felt like I was like you knew that Chenault was going to get one of the spots, and then from there it got a little bit more difficult. Yeah, Chenault was the no brainer, and then after him, you can make a case for a lot of different guys. And then as I dug into the numbers, to me it was like if you if I don't pick Jerry Judy. I'm just penalizing him for being on a really good team because he's playing basically a half a game and putting up yards that are crushing most of these other cats. And so uh, I, I, and the more I dug into it, the more I felt Judy was, was a, my clear choice. Uh, but, you know. I, nine I touchdowns. Nine touchdowns on 26 receptions. Sort of stupid. It's very stupid. Um, man, yeah, you're right. And he might not even be the best one on that team. All right, what about your offensive line? Who are you? Who are you feeling like you were really confident in? But like when about, you start, what, what about what about tight end? Oh, we both have Jay Sternberger. There ain't nobody better at this point tight end than Jay Sternberger. Yeah, how about Jimbo? Just day one, just getting a JUCO kid, popping him in there, and saying we're a tight end school again. So good work there. Yep. All right. Offensive line. I think the guy, well, again, look, so I put, I, I just got done watching the LSU Georgia game and, and LSU handled Georgia up front in an impressive fashion. And I felt like I had to put an LSU guy on there because I really, felt, I've been impressed with their offensive line. And so I called my guy, Shay Dixon and I said, who's the best LSU offensive lineman? It, it looked to me like one of the interior guys, whether it was going to be guard or center. He said Lloyd Cushenberry is center. He's, they've had a bunch of different O-line com- combinations. Cushenberry has been the constant, uh, and so that's who I rolled with. So oh. he, he was my center. And then my other guys, Dalton Risner, Kansas State, Jonah Williams, Shane Lemieux, again, kind of a Oregon just deserves someone on there given the way that that's, that – They've sort of changed the, the mentality over there, and Shane Lemieux is getting all the love. And then Dustin Woodard at Memphis. You know, look, if, if you're going to have an offensive line that's producing a running back that's averaging 12 freaking yards a carry, you deserve some love on the midseason All-American teams. All right, and Memphis, wa- Memphis, Oregon. Who else do you have? 
Memphis, Oregon. Alabama, Kansas State, LSU. Alabama, all part of those three, all part of the uh, Joe Moore Award. Yep. Finalists. Uh, All right. My offensive lineman, I knew I was going to have Jonah Williams. That was the one I felt really confident in. Uh, I also added Juwan Bichelle Beatty. I think on that Michigan offensive line, he's been the player that has stood out to me as being pretty effective. Shane Lemieux also, uh, and I've got Andrew Thomas. And I, man, I kind of struggled with center, and I found myself just falling back to Michael Jordan. I didn't feel like I was leaning into Michael Jordan. Does that make sense? You don't want to stay in Raleigh? With the, oh, at NC State? Yeah. That was the one. I actually had Garrett Bradbury from NC State as my center, and then I just just felt compelled to get an LSU guy on there. And so I replaced him with Lloyd Cushenberry because NC State really hadn't played anybody yet. And so, but I, 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 I can't believe you're going to turn your back on your city, bro. I know. I, t- I tell you, I didn't, I didn't feel strong pulls anywhere at center. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that was that was the I felt th- that was the one like I would fight for Jonah Williams. I would fight for Shane Lemieux, and I would fight for. Maybe fight for Juwan Bichelle Beatty, but definitely Jonah Williams and Lemieux. Those are ones where I was like, all right, I've watched you, and I have had moments where watching film or rewatching games, I've been like, that's different. Yeah, uh, it's and it's fair to try to get a Michigan guy on there. Just decide who you think the best Michigan guy is and get him on there because that offensive line has really come together in a way that we've been waiting for them to come together, and it's why they're having success. So you got to kind of you know the, the credit is due. Your defensive line is awesome. It's got like uh, the defensive line was another spot where I, th- I think we're going to end up seeing a lot of different names pop up because we didn't do defensive end, defensive tackle. Though I think I might have ended up with two defensive ends and two defensive tackles. Um, who, wh- where, there did you feel like you were starting to have some some sweat? So you've got all right. Let's throw it out. You've D-line got D line was tough. D line was tough. You've Go got ahead. Ed Oliver. Montez Sweat from Mississippi State, Quinnen Williams. That's that's a good call that I probably should have come back to between Quinnen Williams and Raquan Davis. They have been underrated for how good they've been this season. And then you got yeah. Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame. I've got uh, Chase Winovich from Michigan, Ed Oliver, Gerald Willis from Miami, and Sutton Smith from Northern Illinois. Okay, get a little hack in there. Nice. Yes. Uh, look, Sutton Smith's doing. He's still doing his he's thing. Still do. Yeah. He's still one of the nation's leaders in tackles for loss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was tough for me. I, I think Gerald Willis was a tough one to leave off, and 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 there he split the vote a little bit with Jonathan Garvin, his teammate. Right. Uh, but Gerald Willis was tough for me to leave off. Um, you know, I think uh, the other one that I almost put on was Brian Burns from Florida State. He's had a really good year. But ultimately, I feel pretty good about my group because I think Ed Oliver, people have taken him for granted. But when you actually turn on the film and see what he does on a play-by-play basis, it is insane what he does. Uh, and then Montez Sweat is just, he is a freak, freak. But By the way, Montez Sweat, interestingly enough, was com committed to Vanderbilt out of high school as a tight end was his first year of football. He's out of Stevenson, Georgia. I can't remember. Ultimately, he ended up at Michigan State for a year, 
and something happened there. I don't know if it was academics or what, but then he went JUCO and landed at Mississippi State. All that to say is like when he was a, a Vanderbilt commit, he was not a sure thing at all. He was like a, this guy is a beautiful looking specimen, but doesn't know how to play the game of football. Let's take a shot at him and or shot on him. And he has since blossomed into just this freak. Uh, uh, he'll be a first round draft pick. And then yeah. Quentin Williams has been totally dominant. And Jerry, Jerry Tillery, uh, I think has been an anchor of what's been a really, really good defensive front for Notre Dame as they, you know, look like a playoff. So Tillery gets a little bit of the, uh, like the t- Tillery gets to carry some of the just general Notre Dame team success onto his yes. all America selection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was yes. In part though. I mean, he's had his, you know, he's, he's doing his thing too. Um, Oh, yeah, he had he four seven and a half tackles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't he have what four, four sacks, sacks in a game? Stanford. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's seven sacks a year. I mean, he's no he's no slouch, um, but he does I think benefit from a little bit on my ballot from Notre Dame being really good this year. Uh, Quinnen Williams. That's the that's the one that I probably look at your ballot, and I've got the I would probably trade out Sutton Smith for Quinnen Williams. Thinking about it now, as I've. Well, a little ballot envy there. Yeah, a little bit of ballot, a little bit of ballot envy. Uh, all right, linebackers. The no shock. The the only shock is damn. We got the same ones. Three for three. Uh the only difference is whether we put them LB one, two, or three. Yeah. Okay. So who was your who was your one, two, three? My one is Josh Allen. My two yeah. is Devin White. My three is Chase Hansen. Yeah. Yeah. So I had Hansen. Alan, Alan White. White. Uh, I think yes. Uh, anyone that doesn't put those three is just is just incorrect. Uh, what's so, the homie from Washington? Yeah, Bimper Curvin. Double name. Yeah, but he, he's just like he's just a tackling machine to me. Like I don't know. This could be I, I could be speaking out of line here, but to me, he is not someone that is like keeping defensive coordinators up at night in the way Devin White or offensive coordinators in the way Devin White. Or Josh Allen, or even Chase Hansen are, uh, but I, but you got to credit the dude for being as productive as he is. He's a he's a baller. And by the way, Yale thought they were going to get him for the longest time, and he so he's a big time academic kid. And Washington Washington was able to to steal him uh, away from the Ivy League late in the, late in the process. It's like Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray when he had twenty nine tackles against Army. Where do you? How do you celebrate that while also acknowledging the situational impact or the situational like reasons for why that came about? Right, right. Uh, all right, uh, cornerbacks. <coughs> Honestly, man, I am I am very very surprised. Uh, so, Hamp Cheevers, Boston College. This seems like a real call your shot kind of pick for the All America team. DeAndre Baker's your other one. Yeah, though, and I think I probably would have put DeAndre Baker cornerback one and Hamp Cheever's cornerback two. Uh, but I didn't, I don't think I quite realized what was going on there. Um, you know, the, the Cheever's kid has a couple interceptions. He's got one against Virginia. He's got one against UConn. Uh, he's got a couple forced fumbles, one against Syracuse, one against Louisville. Um, and I, and he's got really good, 
uh, grades from like the PFF stuff. And I've just that that defensive backfield has really kind of flashes to me when I watch BC in terms of the um, kind of the, the the speed they play with, I think. And so that that just all caught my eye. And so I, that's that was my that was my yeah that was my take of my shot guy. Um, I went with Chris Boyd from Texas and Julian Love from Notre Dame. Uh, and by the way, Achievers, I I I've. I was looking at 2017 numbers. He, he has four interceptions this year, so he's off to a pretty good start. Um, tell me who you went with again. Chris Boyd and Julian Love. Yeah, Julian Love's like set like set like an all time career record for break pass breakups or something. <laughs> for <their> name. <laughs> like, put, been playing football a while there. So that's pretty good. Pretty good record to have. And yeah, I got Chris Boyd. Sure. I can live with that. Well, I mean, we'll see. The thing is, is and as we move to safety, I uh, like you. You've got Caden Stearns as the uh, as as the player that gets the most highlight from that Texas secondary. I wanted to have Caden Stearns in there too. I probably gave Chris Boyd uh, a bump in my cornerback discussion when I had to uh, put Deontay Thompson in at safety ahead of Caden Stearns. And there is no shocker that you and I both, as our safety one, have from LSU, the sophomore standout, Grant Delpit. I love Delpit. I love watching that guy play. He's just, he is always around the football. They use him in so many different ways. He's blitzing. He's a free. He's an in-the-box. He's a tackler. Uh, Yes, he is safety one two and three and then safety four is Kate Stearns <laughs> <laughs> you know like in Stearns to me like I, I there was another one where I just like the, the plays he's made in the games he's made them at the times he's made those plays in terms of like interceptions or blocked field goals or what I mean those have been game-changing plays and so as, as Texas gets over the hump and starts winning big games I think Caden Stearns has as much of a a role in that as anybody. Um, I went with, see, Deontay Thompson has two interceptions, at least a forced fumble, bunch of passes defended. Uh, I, I've been really impressed with him from the get go. He was really good early. Um, I think that, yeah, he was really good early. I agree. And I think that he's been a little bit banged up. Maybe no, Trevon Diggs is out, but Deontay Thompson's still been very good. So I had him as my safety too. Let's see, we both got Braden Mann from Texas A and M. Just a beauty of a leg right there at punter. Both given Maurice French the kick return from Pitt. He had a one run back for a touchdown in the first game of the season, and he had one run back for a touchdown against Notre Dame. He's a speedster, one of the country's leaders in terms of average yards per kickoff return. Your punt returner, Jalen Waddle. I mean, he's yeah. he's sick. Uh, yours, Greg Dortch, Wake Forest. Yeah, that the only reason I the reason that I went with Waddle over Dortch is if you look at Dortch's punt return numbers, most of that stuff came against like their this, the FCS team they played. Oh yeah, so that was that that dinged him a little bit on on old Barton's uh, ballot. And then uh, all purpose, we both got Rondell Moore. That was easy. That was easy. That was real easy. Um, 
And then you went with uh, Andre from Syracuse. I got Cole Tracy uh, from LSU. A kicker. Uh, yeah, I went through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Andre, whatever. Andre, whatever that last name. Smith from Syracuse. Schmidt. Yeah, and you went Cole Tracy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Schmidt. Yeah, yeah. Andre Schmidt. And I went Cole Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Dortch. Greg Dortch against Towson had three returns for 131 yards and two touchdowns. The rest of the year, he's got 30, he's got 58 yards returning on seven, on, uh, let's see, 72 yards returning on 12 returns. Well, yeah, because he, so. he doesn't have many returns. He's the punt returner <laughs> for Wake Forest. <laughs> that's, that's a good, that's a great point. Don't it's penalize him for his defense. <laughs> um, all right, for uh, Coach of the Year, you've got Cincinnati's Luke Fickle, Heisman of the Year, Tua Tagovailoa, my Coach of the Year, Ed Odra, hold that tiger. And uh, and I've got Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State as my Heisman. Uh, okay, so you're, with, you're on the Brady train. Yeah. You're on the Brady Quinn train, the uh, Dwayne over Tua for Heisman. Okay, all right. I th- and so that was a two. That was a two-on-one call the other day when I was making my two a case. Well, I'm. I, I I'm, know you're you're quietly in the cut back in back in Brady. I think that the fact that Ohio State has to compensate for its issues in the run game with the quick passing game, the fact that Dwayne Haskins is going to continue to put up ridiculous numbers because of it, like like he. When Ohio State's up seven and they're still out there throwing the ball, it's not a great thing for Ohio State's long-term projection in terms of how they're going to be as a college football playoff or national championship contender. But it's going to be great for Dwayne Haskins' Heisman case, if that makes sense. Yes. Like I, I didn't approach was this. Yours a, was yours a Heisman, a, a, a midseason Heisman, or a Heisman prediction? Ooh, mine was a Heisman prediction. Okay. Well, I mean, mine's sort of both. Mine's. Mine's a midseason Heisman and a Heisman prediction. They put it in the same place as our college football playoff four. So I I guess it was a hard way for me to interpret it. But here's my thought. My thought is that um, if Tua's knee injury continues to linger and if Dwayne Haskins continues to need to put up big numbers for Ohio State to win the Big Ten championship, then by the end of the season – even with like the ridiculous efficiency, Heisman voters might be able to talk themselves into Haskins over Tua, just because Tua's workload will be limited. Yeah, yeah. But if 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 Emma keeps if if this pace keeps up, and Bama just rolls through every team they play, I don't I do not see a scenario where Tua is not the Heisman Trophy camp, uh, winner. I mean just this don't. this this might be like the last Hawaiian quarterback was in the mix. Remember when it was just not even a question for Mariota that he was going to win it. You're saying yeah, like the, by the time by the time the Heisman night came around, there was absolutely like the only questions were going to be who are the other players that were going to be invited to New York as finalists. Yeah, right. Yeah, I I, I think that's what's going to happen this year. Um, I'll be honest with you. 
Yeah, maybe maybe I was feeling a little contrarian. All right, so with with your college football playoff four, was that like based on what you've seen so far, or what you think we're going to see by the end of the season? It was a prediction. Uh, my prediction was Bama one, Clemson two, uh, and what I say, Notre Dame three, Michigan four. So I'm sort of doubling down on my preseason Michigan prediction that they win the Big Ten. I think if Michigan wins the Big Ten, they're in, regardless of what happens elsewhere. Uh, we got no more other than Clemson. Like we got no more SEC second team candidates. We've got no more. We got no undefeated teams in the Big Twelve. No undefeated teams in the Pac Twelve. So it's going to be SEC champion, which will be Bama. It's going to be ACC championship, which, which will be Clemson. It's going to be Notre Dame, who will go undefeated. And it's going to be Big Ten champion, and I'm saying Michigan wins out on that front, which is a big if. I mean, that's a big like, that's a big. I, I understand that's a, that's going to be a hard thing for them to do, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and circle back around and double down on my Michigan pick. Oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen when this thing posts on CBSSports.com because they're going to put it in a little grid format. And they're going to put it with the little logos and with our stupid faces right next to it. <laughs> and I'm there with you, man. I've, I think the SEC champion is going to be there. And I think the Big Ten champion is going to be there. And I think the ACC champion is going to be there. I agree with you. We've lost our two SEC team scenario. I think that we've lost. And we haven't totally lost it. Um, I'm, LSU, I think, is what I view as probably the most likely candidate there. Um, right. I think we've lost our Big 12 playoff team scenario, and I think we've definitely lost our Pac-12 playoff team scenario. So I've got Alabama 1, Ohio State 2 instead of Michigan, Clemson at 3, and then at number 4, I think the debate will rage between an undefeated UCF and a not undefeated Notre Dame. Now, will Notre Dame have one loss, and will that be the debate? Notre Dame would probably win that. But if Notre Dame has two losses and I'm looking at that at USC game as being dangerous. I'm looking at that Navy game in San Diego as being very dangerous. I'm looking at Notre Dame. If you think that Notre Dame loses to Syracuse in the Bronx or Navy in San Diego, that as a one loss team, they're even a candidate. Yes. Because, because of strength of schedule. Cause UCF won't have anything for strength of schedule. But wouldn't I would think then you look to the Big Twelve champion or you think a one loss Notre Dame, you think a one loss Notre Dame, they're not playing as tough a schedule as Texas or Oklahoma. Mm. Based what? on what they've, so you think Notre Dame really is really isn't a like undefeated is the only path to the playoff. I think I Notre think Dame's. Gonna, not, I think. I think they better not lose. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's going to take a loss. Well, anyway, so my stupid face will be next to UCF in the college football playoff, breaking down the door. I actually, you sort of convinced me uh, Sunday. I mean, not convinced me, but you ha- you got my mind moving in a different direction in the sense of like, I, I never considered UCF last year. And yet, in retrospect, like we think of UCF's last year's team as a as a really good team, and this year's UCF team is ranked significantly higher in the same spot, and they've got their best resume games at the back end of the season. And so, I think it's not so much like it's 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 not as much of a reach as I initially had reacted to it being. Um, so it's, it's an interesting take. 
If, it's a good. If everybody good else here. keeps losing, just based on the way that all this is spun, the college football playoff selection committee, and again, like that would be this year's UCF team, which I don't think is as good as last year's UCF team, benefiting from last year's UCF UCF team and the success it had in the Peach Bowl against Auburn. Because that would and be that's the argument. kind of the way college football works, right? right? Like it's yes, sort of, yes, yes. Clemson gets a benefit of the doubt because of what if Clemson did last year, like it, like right. in, all across the board. And so, the, of course, it would make sense that the only way that UCF would be able to crash the playoff is in a very college football like manner. Right, right. Even uh, though last year's team is better, this year's team on the shoulders of last year's team will be a better college football playoff contender. Agreed. And I would say Mackenzie Milton, if UCF makes good. the playoffs, he's he he could find himself in New York City. We could have two okay. two Hawaiian lays up there on the uh on the on the podium. And we all need that. We've we've given uh Penny Sewell and Mackenzie Milton and Tua Tua Tagovailoa all the credit. We're going all in on the islands, baby. Polly takeover. Polly takeover. Um, anything else? I mean, we, we don't know what the final balloting is going to be. We could address it real quick on Wednesday's show after it goes up. Um, any Anybody that you're going to be upset or that you feel like you would fight for or anything that, um, you know, like as you turned it in, you, you were thinking about the final product? Uh, the, I think the only one that has to be on there who, who could potentially not be on there to me is Daryl Henderson. Mm-hmm. Because Daryl Henderson is doing stupid stuff. And the fact that he's at Memphis shouldn't matter that he's doubling up everyone else in the country in yards per carry. So as long as Daryl Henderson's on there for Memphis, I'm I'm good. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We'll be back on Wednesday, and then locks are coming on Thursday. Make sure that you subscribe, review, and rate. Our thanks to Penske Truck Rental, the episode sponsors. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve. Yes,